Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, do you like it? Looks good. Hey, you're here. Nice to meet you. Okay, so let's take this away. All right, so um, this is an amazing moment for us. We have waited for this for a long time. This has been a year and a half, if not two years. Uh, I don't know how, I can't count anymore. But it's been a really long time since we had our last Taco Tuesday. And we are so glad to have you all here with us. Um, but the need for this is much stronger than it ever was. That's what I think. And that's why people are coming in great numbers uh, to a random Tuesday night to learn and to Shabbat and everything else because people feel that this is something they all need. And I'll tell you that although financially there wasn't a pandemic, pretty much uh, the stocks and everything did pretty well, in America at least, um, but you know, health-wise, maybe there was many people that passed away, and, but mental health-wise, that's been a tremendous damage and uh, something which has been, you know, th- something that we could never have thought of. Uh, the amount of people that are going through loneliness, depression, uh, mental health issues, um, you just see it, the, the rift in politics in terms of, the, you know, I believe that that's to do with mental health as well. It's a reaction to certain uh, other problems and we, we bring out our problems in there. Um, but I think that the rift and everything is a lot to do with how we think about life. Are we happy with ourselves? Do we feel meaningful with ourselves? And I find that that's a big challenge that we're going through today. And um, being here with other people is so important. As we say in Judaism, the most fundamental value, as well as being happy, which we spoke about on Shabbat, but one of the most fundamental values is not being alone. We have Shabbat. We'll make sure that you get married young. We want you to have, as you get married, then have kids, right? You know, you have kids. Now we say, okay, uh, make sure that you have a synagogue and a community and Lotov It's not good for mankind to be alone. Everything else in creation was good. The one thing that wasn't good was loneliness. Because we as human beings can't survive on our own. And that's why, you know, I grew up in a, a, a religious community. And um, I got married at 23. Now, I'm not, yeah, right, flex, flexing. I'm not, I'm not trying to flex here, but I'm just saying that that's my culture that I grew up in. As much as everyone laughs at it, you know, orthodox or whatever they say, but the culture that I grew up in made sure that I'm not alone. And, uh, okay, you're the lucky one, you know, you got someone that's normal. Well, actually, <laughs> that's what people tell me. But actually, you know, I could show you that there's many, many people um, that do and it's all about it's a lot to do with mental health and the value system that we have there is a value system that's here that's very 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 self-centered uh, not thinking beyond not thinking ahead and that puts us in a way in a place where we say okay you know life's fine the way it is and we don't push ourselves spiritually we push ourselves financially everything's about how we're going to do in Korea and success and money but we don't push ourselves spiritually. And the proof is that in school, we're not really educating ourselves about uh, having a family. We're not educating ourselves about 
um, having a healthy relationship. We're not educating in schools. The only thing we do learn in school is how to be, well, not, even that not anymore, but what we try and learn in school is how to have a business or open and make some money. The one thing that we don't learn, did anyone here get a degree on how to grow up a child? No. And most people say, today anyway, most people say, I don't want one. But, I mean, most, I believe, even with the culture that we're in, most people will tell me, if I ask them, would you want to leave this world? Do you imagine yourself leaving this world without kids? How many people would put their hands up and say, yeah, I do. I do imagine myself leaving this world. How many people here could imagine themselves? Uh, and, and no, don't be embarrassed, but do you, do you think anyone here would be okay with, like when you think of yourself as an older person, do you think of yourself as a mother, a, a father, a parent, or do you think of yourself as a single person? What do you think of yourself as an old person? Just a person that lived? Well, well how do you think of yourself? We've got a nice company. He's listening to it. It's good, it's good that it's good you should hear. You should train him from young. Uh, um, but, but you get what I'm saying? How, we, we all agree, most people agree, that when I think of myself as an old person, I think of myself with a, with a wife, with a family, maybe with even grandkids. Um, but there's no plan towards getting there. Hey, one second. That's the Bluetooth. One second. That's hilarious. That reminds me of... Um, that reminds me of when, uh, for some reason I'm getting messy, I don't know who it is. But, but it reminds me of when my brother-in-law came here and uh, uh, he was here. Oh, one second, just making sure, yeah, it's all recording. So it reminds me of my brother-in-law, he was here and I hope he's not going to listen to this. But it reminds me when he was here, um, he came to visit us and we had this huge party going on. And the music was blaring and he was in the bathroom and he was on his phone and the music was coming from his, his phone. So it was like, yo, dude, what's going on? And we're like, what? Where's it coming from? Like, the music stopped. It was his WhatsApp. <laughs> but anyway, um, but you get what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be heavy here. I'm just being realistic. And realistically, we think of a certain lifestyle that we want. But we're not really working towards getting there besides for one area. You know, most people, hey, how many people here um, that think we should have, they would want to have a kid at some point, believes that we should learn how to grow up a child? Like bringing a child into this world, right, is, imp is quite important, no? Shouldn't we learn how to, how to educate a child? Shouldn't there be? Yeah, there should be a handbook. Or should we first have it trial and error, you know, have the child and then say, okay, now what? Uh, let's learn how to... But we learn, we learn to get a great career. We learn how to make money. We learn... That's, that's basically how to argue. Well, we think we learn how to argue because on campus everyone likes to argue, right? But we learn... What do we learn in school? Like what... Outside. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there's, uh, there's other things that we need to learn. Of course, there are things that... in. Judaism, we also believe there are many doctors in Judaism. There are many uh, lawyers in Judaism, right? Ever heard of a Jewish lawyer? Look, someone once told me, oh, he's Jewish. Uh, you know, he's, he can deal with the money. I said, oh, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, Just the money? Have you ever heard of a Jewish doctor? We're good at that too. What about a Jewish lawyer? Heard of a Jewish lawyer? We're good at that too. Yeah, we're not just good with money. 
Anyway, so um, it's true, right? We, we do many things. So it's true that we should be a lawyer, a doctor, you know, get your education. But this, what this is, is about educating my life. And that's so needed because you could see that there's people with the education. There's people that went to schools and they're doing crazy stuff, right? It's in colleges or schools where people get guns and go, go crazy. It's not necessarily only about guns, although I'm not a gun guy, right? Because I grew up in England. No guns in England. Even police, even police don't have guns. Um, and that's not a political thing. That's just my thought. But um, now, seriously, if I had a gun, right, and someone's trying to hurt me or even arguing with me, I'll always be thinking of the gun. But that's stupid. Just, it's better just to run away. You know, like, I have a gun. Yeah. Just run away. Anyway, so uh, I'm not a fan. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm sorry, I don't. If you have a gun, you have a certain sense of confidence that's unnecessary. It could be dangerous for you. It's like, oh, I have a gun. So you know what? I'm going to take it out and fight this guy, right? If you didn't have it, you will feel vulnerable and you just run away. Wouldn't that be better if you just run away? No, because they could shoot you. Well, either way, they could shoot you. No, no, listen. Right, no, listen. I'm, this is not, I'm not trying to get political here, but I just happen to be political. I'm not trying to get there. But, but you know, that's just... I have very different views in all areas. You know, it's not about the knife. It's not about the gun. It's about the values, that's for sure. And that's something that I really do believe in. It's the value system that we stand for, not the things that we have. Because there's so many people that are, that are out on the streets. And some of them have education. Some of them got educated. But they're just dealing with mental health issues. There's people that are, uh, you know, they made money, but then they, they're dealing with a divorce all the time for years on end. And a lot of times, divorce is necessary. But more times than divorce is necessary, it was avoidable. Right? As much as divorce is necessary and it's a mitzvah in Judaism, there's a lot of times where it's avoidable. With, with the right education, with the right thought, with the right communication, we could solve it. That's for sure. Anyway, so if we have the right outlook of life, we'll be able to deal. By the way, if you need drinks, food, if you're cold, get near the fire, no problem. Uh, but but you get, if we have the out, right outlook of life, it shouldn't be only an outlook for Korea. It needs to be that we have the right outlook of life for everything else. Agree? Okay, so I want to actually tie that into this week's Torah portion and talk about um, depression, dealing with depression, mental health. I'm not a, a psychologist, psychiatrist, or anything else. I do listen, which does make me halfway there at least. <laughs> right? I listen to people. And I repeat them, what they say. I repeat what they say too. Yeah, that's a really good Right, therapist, a really good therapist. He listens. And then not only does he listen, he says, oh, let me just repeat what you said. What you just said is this, that, and the other. And he's like, wow, he listened to me. Right? So, but I do listen. I'm not a therapist. But I do have the guidance of Torah, of Judaism, which really teaches me how to deal with life outside or how to have the right outlook of life outside of making sure that I get a good career. And by the way, it's not a guarantee. Even if you study as hard as you can and as good as you can, how many, it says, wise people are not guaranteed money. There's been many people that were very smart and they didn't make so much money. 
And there's people that are very stupid that made a lot of money. I wouldn't name anyone because I might get in trouble. But, you know, some of these, some of these rappers or whatever. Right? They, some of them aren't stupid. Some of them actually can see till they curse. And then I'm like, oh, right? But, uh, but, you know, you get what I'm saying? <coughs> so this week's Torah portion, I want to tie it into here. Are you ready? I'm going to tie it into the Torah portion. And from there, talk about mental health <coughs> and making sure that we can have the right outlook of life to avoiding depression. By the way, when somebody is depressed, right? Try, have you ever tried t- telling them to get out of depression? Don't be depressed. Is that going to help? No. How do you help depression? Listen to them. You listen to them for sure. But how about avoiding it prior? Right? The best medicine to depression is not the time when the person's depressed. That's already, he's hit down. He's gone down. The best time to deal with depression is prior to it, having the right tools to dealing with it before it comes. This is, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So that's why as a th- I'm not a therapist because I'm not, I don't have the way and the tools to sit in front of somebody and nor do I have the energy to sit in front of somebody who's, who's completely broken right, and needs serious professional help, it's very hard to take them out of that situation. That needs training. I I don't know. But I believe that if with the right direction, we can avoid it prior to it happening. And that's what I'm talking about. There is a lot of mental health issues, but maybe it's because there's a certain value system that we're in that expects too much of me. And that's causing these problems. Expects me to be this perfect... uh, um, owner, a CEO, just like everybody else is somehow a CEO. It expects me to be the one that you know starts the company, starts this, starts that. Right? It expects too much of me. Maybe my goals are wrong. That does not mean I'm, I shouldn't be ambitious, but maybe my goals are too high. Does, does this make sense to anyone? So that could be an issue. So I want to speak about that and dealing with mental health. And I'll tell you, that is tied into this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is called Shalach Lecha. Send for yourself. You know what it's about? Gabe, why don't you tell us what this Torah portion is a little bit about? Sure. Stand up. They're on the edge of Israel, the, the Jews are. And, uh, they left Egypt. They got the Torah they're they're, yeah, in the desert. Everything's going pretty great. And they get to the edge of Israel and they're like, before we go in, we want to send some spies to check it out, make sure it's safe, make sure we can conquer it, make sure the food is good, etc. And so they uh, like ask Moshe if they can send spies, and Moshe asks God, in turn, should I send these spies? And God says, if you want. And he says, okay, I'm going to do it. So they send the spies, and then the spies go in, and they return, but they give a bad rating throw a bad Yelp rating on Israel, and it's it's really it's it's really bad. It's uh, it's like lashon hara against Israel, and it causes a lot of problems for them. And then beautiful other things. There's other like mitzvot that are mentioned um, and stuff. But the main event here is is the spies. The episode of the spies. It's one of the biggest actually like sins that, that ends up happening, and like that generation gets doomed to die in the desert. Uh, Sounds and, good, and right? They're, they're Sound like a great story? Stalled for 40 years. And, yeah, so anyway, spies. All right. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you. All right. So, right, the, the, 
the Jews went out of Egypt. They had this amazing revelation. They, they had all these miracles. Okay? Please take the message that we're going to learn from this because it's fascinating. So there's these ter- amazing miracles. The Jews get out of Egypt. Wow, revelation. They get the Torah. And then they start walking their way to Israel because they were promised the land, by the way. It was theirs already from Jacob, from Abraham. And it was conquered by other people. The Canaanites, there were seven nations that conquered that land, right? Not the Philistines. They were a different nation. They didn't even conquer that land. But there were seven nations that conquered the land of Israel. They were the sons of Ham. This is the biblical story, okay? So any, any anti-Semite that's out there, it's a biblical story. If, if Judaism doesn't exist, then Islam doesn't exist, right? So uh, it's true. So... Uh, True or not true? Okay. So um, anyway, so this is, but it's even in the Quran. You know, in in Quran, Surah 521, I don't know the Quran very well, but in Surah 521, it says that the land of Israel was given to the Jews. So it's amazing. So anyway, uh, uh, so the Jews are going into the land of Israel. Before they go in, they want to send send in spies. Each, they took the leader of each tribe you know that the jews had many tribes although we were a small people we believe in different types not everyone's the same although you might think we all look the same we're all very different right there's different types in the jewish people you know uh, i have five kids thank god baruch hashem we, they, they all have the same genes right but they're all very different worlds apart but you might think they look the same but to me they look very different they're very different so they come into the land of Israel, these spies, and they say, we want to go in first. We're not going to go walk into this land. We trust you, God. You took us out of Egypt and all, you did all this great stuff, but we still want to check out the land. By the way, this is a very important lesson for life as well. Whenever someone wants to make a big decision, even if you know it's the right thing for them, you have to let them make the decision. So, for instance, should I go to this place? Should I go to this college? Should I go? Uh, what do you think of this guy that I'm dating? Should I take it seriously? Should I get married with him? Of course, if you're dating them, you should take it seriously. Of course. What do you mean? Date someone not seriously? So, here, I'm going out with this person, right? You ask someone for advice. Never, ever finalize the advice for them. Say, yes, you should go out with them and do it. And they say, okay fine, I'll do it. Never do that. Do you know why? Because if they ever have problems, it will come back to you. Any big decisions in life needs to be made by you and not by anybody else, even the people that give you advice. That's why when I try and advise people, I never, uh, I never tell them directly at the end of the day, I believe this is the right thing, but you have to check it out yourself. If you really want to know if this is the right thing for you, you need to check it out yourself. I, you've got to leave a little window where that person's making that decision themselves. This is very important when it comes to marriage as well. When, you're in a, when, you're, when you get married and you're in a serious relationship, every time that you're having a conversation, there are big decisions being made. You have to make sure that the decision is not just coming from your side, it's being passed over to the person on the other side. Very important. And that's why God says, you know, I know, what, I know the world. I created this stuff. I know Israel. I told you that this is a great place for you to go. But you still want to spy and check it out? Fine, go. That's what you want to do. It's a big decision. So go. 
Right? God still lets them go in. And they go in and they come out and they say negative things. What did they say? They said true things. They said that there's big fruits, huge people, giants. They are, how are we ever going to go in this land? They are very bad people. We're never going to be able to get in there. Right, the Canaanites, the, the seven nations that conquered that land of Israel before the Jews went in, were very dangerous, very bad people. They are dangerous. How are we ever going to go? They are fortified cities. They, there's no way we're a small people living in the desert. There's no way we're going to get in. And they came back and gave this bad report. They said the truth, but they interpreted it in the wrong way. It's like a doctor who sees somebody who's sick, right? The doctor says, you're sick and you have this and this long to live. You ever heard a doctor say that? You're sick and you only have two weeks to live. Excuse me, I might be sick, but you can't decide for me how long I have to live. Right? The same is with when they went into, God decides how long someone's going to live. No one else. See, I know somebody who got very, very sick. They thought he had minutes to live. And he lived for quite a few months after. An old man, I was in the hospital with him. The doctor said, he's done, he's, he's gone. We did some th- prayers and it wasn't, wasn't to do with me, but he actually lived for a few months after. The doctor said, it's a miracle, living miracle. I don't know how it happened. I've seen people that were told that they have a tumor and the tumor went away. You have only a few months to live. No doctor can know how, some, how long, they're not prophets. Same way that rabbis are not prophets. No doctor can tell you how long you're going to live. They can tell you if you're sick, what you have. But that's as far as they have permission to go. The same with the Jewish spies. They had permission to go in the land. No problem. But no one gave you permission to interpret how weak the land is for us. How hard it's going to be for us. Didn't you see that we got out, we had all these miracles in your fi- we, we had the man. We've been eating free stuff coming down. Like, didn't you see all the miracles? How can you interpret things in the wrong way? Interpreting things in the negative way is not in your control. That's not for you to do. Yes. You know, something I always found out, uh, I always found very interesting about the story the first time I heard it is that when you listen to the reports of the spies as they came back, they actually do, like at the very beginning, you know, for, for the most part, the way that they describe what's going on, it, it sounds very plausible. You know, like you're listening to these guys and you're hearing these bad reports and it gets pretty concerning. You're like, wow, this could be legit. These are like people talking and speaking in good faith. Right. But it's a very subtle thing that happens at the end. Exactly. That really changes everything up. And what was it? The determination that they made. The recommendation that they imposed. Right. I'll use that word. That basically they said all the things that they saw, which was truth, but then they interpreted it wrong. They said, oh, yeah, all of this stuff, but we have no chance because this, that, and the other. So that part was not for them to do. Now, this is where mental health comes in, and this is how we're going to tie it all into mental health. When it comes to mental health and depression, it's a very similar way as what the spies did, which is you find something small that's negative, and you point at it and you focus on that as opposed to pointing at all the rest. You make that the focus. It's like, it's like the great rabbi, they put a spot on the paper, a white paper, he put a black spot in the middle. He says, what do you guys see? What do they say? The black dot. Excuse me, there's a huge white space over here. 
Well, you speed you, back up. Would you say that even though there were like serious dangers that they were describing, it was all small compared, relatively speaking, to Hashem? Relative speaking to their experience, they saw the biggest miracles in their life. For us, it would be a concern. But so for them, to Hashem, you know, exactly. And to their experience of seeing Hashem, right? They saw the miracles. They saw major miracles. They saw everything. Where is your emunah that you're going to succeed? And they saw that the land is really flowing with milk and honey. The land was really f- fruitful. Till today, by the way, the land of Israel has a tremendous ability to bring out the, the best fruits. As long as the Jewish people live there, by the way. There's a promise that as long as the Jewish people didn't live there, the land will be desolate. That's one of the promises in the Torah, and it's true. For 2,000 years, till 70 years ago, that the Jews moved back to Israel, the land was desolate. A very interesting thing. But anyway, outside of, outside of that discussion, and there's proof of that, Mark Twain himself went to visit Israel. And when he went, he spoke about, the, why is this the land of milk and honey? What is this land? It's an empty, desolate land. I spoke about this a few weeks ago. <coughs> anyway, so here's the problem. You find one problem and you focus on that problem. You make everything else a problem. My job isn't working. Therefore, my life is worthless. My job isn't working. Therefore, I don't want to live. Therefore, I'm suicidal. Therefore, I'm, I don't want to eat. I don't care what I'm eating. I'll eat junk food. I'll eat, right? You give a whole list. Basically, one thing's not working. Everything else is worthless. And that's what they did. They came back. They said, you know, this, this, this is a problem. And therefore, I don't want to go. I want to go back to Mitzrayim. I want to go back to Egypt. That's suicidal. You want to go back to Egypt? You're suicidal. Because there's one problem. And that's how it works in relationships, in everything in life. When the problem comes, you focus on that one problem. Ignore all the other goods that are happening in your life. No, but this, that's why it says in Hebrew, it says in Tehillim, we say this on Shabbat, Uksil lo yavin etzot. A fool never understands this. What does it mean a fool doesn't understand this? Because a smart person, you tell them, wait, you've got to see the bigger picture. Let, let me explain to you. If you're Israeli, <laughs> right? I want to explain to you the bigger picture. Right? I want to explain to I want to show you the big picture. But what does the fool say? No, I still don't understand this, this, this. I want to understand this. Wait, let me tell you, there's a bigger picture here. No, this, this, this is wrong. It's like the conflict in Israel. Okay? Yeah, I'm pretty pro-Israel in case you didn't notice. <laughs> right? So it's like the conflict in Israel. Right? What do they say? I don't understand this. There's, t- there's 200... People that got killed. Wait, let me tell you the bigger picture. Who reported about those 200 people? Who gave those reports? Hamas? Can you trust them? Right? They're, they're the ones that are shooting rockets into their own territories, hitting their own civilians. How many of their own rockets hit them? We don't know. Right? Who are, are you trusting? Let me tell you the bigger picture. No, but this, this. But there's children that died. You're murdering children. But well, what about the... Thousands and millions of children that got killed in all other places. No, I'm focused on Israel. Israel! Right? It's obviously an anti-Semitic issue. It's not even a question. But this, this, that's the this. Wait, 4,000 rockets hit us, shot us. We should just sit down like this and let them just come. It's not fair. Do you know why it's not fair? Because we have the Iron Dome. Do you know, do you know what that means? We shouldn't have the Iron Dome. We shouldn't have the Iron Dome. And I wish 
that 4,000 rockets would have landed on your heads. That's what it means. But then it would be fair. Right? If the 4,000 rockets will hit your head, then it's fair. Does that make sense? If only more Jews died, that's kind of the that, that's, that's the argument. If more Jews died, that, then it'll be fair. What does it mean that would be fair? But, but, what do you want us to do? Just sit down and just, just let the rockets come in in all directions? It's not, give them the same rockets you have so that what they'll do, what, how can you trust them? They're the ones that are hitting anyone and everyone, their own people. By the way, the rockets could have hit Alexa. They could have easily hit their own mosque. Yeah, well, then what will they do? Oh, the Jews did it. They'll blame us. Right? So, but, but it, you, do you realize that's what is exil, that's foolishness. When you focus on this, you don't let me speak even about the bigger picture. Let me explain. That's why, by the way, there's certain times when people get into an argument with you, not worth arguing. When you realize that he's saying this, when he's focusing on this, 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 and you're like, wait, I just, can I just tell you that that's a very moral thing in the situation that it was in. No, this! When he's completely repeating the same this all the time, focusing on that one specific problem, then there's no point arguing with him. It's just a good, good lesson to know in general. As long as someone's willing to open their mind to see the bigger picture, then there's no point of having a discussion. So, that's how depression works as well. What's depression? What's, what's a point where I get completely, I give up, right? I, I don't even know what the English definition of depression is. I mean, maybe you could define it in English for me. But I believe a point where you give up hope completely, right? You say that everything's worthless. How does it start? Is it really worthless? Is your life really that worthless? No, it starts with one little thing and then it spreads to everything else. Right? The relationship is horrible. I'll never... I'll never want to get married. I'll never, because relationships are so hard. But everything about it is hard. Or just that one thing that you need to work on is hard. Because there's a lot of good stuff that comes with it too. You have to wait till you're single again to remember all the good stuff. And then it's like a, it's like a, cha- it's like a catch-22. Hey, it's hard. Have to deal with, you know, communicating. So let's go single again. Oh, it's hard to be single. Let's go. Let's go. This is the, this is the game. This is the yin and yang. Unless you, unless, you, unless you get more Jewish. So then, uh, right, so anyway, dealing with depression. Here's the three ways that I want to tell you that we can deal with the breakdown of thinking, the breakdown of myself, the point where I say to myself, I give up. Okay, how do we deal with it? Three ways. Number one, rethink my goal. Why am I depressed? Because I had a certain expectation that this needs to happen. Well, maybe I need to change my expectation. What is my goal? This is the example I give always. My goal is to look good to the public. That's my goal. I'm I'm a model. I need to look good to the public. Everyone needs to see how beautiful I am. I wake up one morning, this horn is coming out my face, right? It's like this whole thing. Even if I go, right, nothing comes out. It's just like this weird thing in my head. And what am I going to do? Right? So somebody whose goal for them is their looks, right? Now, it should be important. Don't get me wrong. And I'll prove to you that even in Judaism, it's important. But if my goal is my look, like that's my number one. That's my, that's what I'm aiming for is to look perfect, right? Then, what's going to happen? I'll be depressed. That, that my whole day is worthless. I'm not going out of the house. I'm not leaving. I'm not talking to anyone. I, I give up. I, I hate myself. 
right? That's, that's where it starts, because your goal is in the wrong place. Maybe rethink the goal. Now, you, when do you rethink the goal? When you're depressed? When do you rethink the goal? Before, right? It's, what's your goal in life in general? Prior to when the situation happens, prior to when the challenge comes, that's when you need to be thinking, okay, what's my goal? What, what is my goal? Because if I have a good goal, oops, I need to press record again, one second. But you guys are with me, right? When I rethink my goal, then I can actually get somewhere. If I'm not thinking about my goal, I can't get anywhere. So here's, here's some examples of rethinking my goal. I need to be, that's the fridge. When the fridge <laughs> runs its engine, the lights, everything's on one wire. It's dangerous. Okay? <laughs> Hopefully we'll all survive. At least if we're not down there. So, uh, but the, it's connected to the fridge as well, the same wire. And when the fridge runs its motor, so it goes, and then all the lights kind of, it's interesting, right? It's a, so, uh, I love me too. <laughs> Especially when it, when it reminds me that it's working. So, uh, here's, here's another example. Okay, my goal is that by the time I hit 35, I have a top career. I have a great job. Everything's working in terms of my money. I, I'm, most people think that way. I'm going to be a very successful owner of a company. That's my goal. Well, who said that it's a given that we're all going to be CEO of companies and owners of... Look, I'm not saying that you can't be ambitious. But if that's my only goal, then when I'm not getting there by a certain age, I am going to be depressed because that was my goal. Now, it might hit me at 35, it might hit me at 40, it might hit me at 45. But what was your goal? If your goal is that you have to be the most successful lawyer, you have to be the most successful psychologist or whatever it is, right? Then if it doesn't get there, then I need to rethink. Why is that my focus? Like, why is that my ultimate goal? Okay, so what is our goal? What should our goal be? Here's the language of... The Mesilat Yesharim, Path of the Just, written about 300 years ago. Now it's old, but don't fall asleep because it's really deep stuff. It says like this, the beginning of his book, one of the deepest books on life, on the way you think of life. Okay, This is the beginning of his book. Which book is this again? Mesilat, Mesilat Yesharim, The Path of the Just. I wouldn't, recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it, unless you have real good definitions of the... It's deep. It's like in Hebrew, even in Hebrew, you need to study it. You can't just read it. You need someone to sit with you and go through the depths of the language. You need to study it with someone. I'd recommend you learning it with me, Omri. You learn it with me. So, um, is that an invitation? Yes, it is. Um, what was I saying? Being, uh, what was I saying? Uh, oh, so this is what he says. The foundation of all wisdom and the source of our work into, in being in this world is... To make clear to you and make truthful to you two things. Make it first clear and make it truthful. What is a purpose? What is a human being's purpose in this world? And why, where should I put all my energy? All the time that I put in my life. Where, what is my purpose? What am I here for? If I think to myself, what is my goal? This is one of the goals of a human being in this world, is to wonder and ask, what is my purpose in this world? Is my purpose to look good? Well, it's a fleeting purpose because eventually I'm going to get old. What is my goal? 
if my goal is something that's long-lasting, it's forever, then maybe that's going to be a good goal to have. If it's a short-lasting goal, it's not going to be. And what's the ultimate goal of all? That a person was actually created to have pleasure. The ultimate goal is to have pleasure. There's many pleasures in this world and God wants you to have them all. But the greatest pleasure of all is to be close to God, to be like God, to be close to God, to be similar to God. Okay, well, stop with this religious stuff. Wait, I don't say that you need to look like God or be, but learn from the ways that God is because he's the one that created everything, the infinite being that created all, your heartbeat, everything, the source of all. And if we're able to learn through learning, knowing how to connect to the source of everything, it's like, you know, you've, you, get, you find a famous person. It's like when I, walk, I was walking in the park a few weeks ago and I met Will Smith. So I'm like, a true story. I'm just walking down the park. I'm, no, I'm walking down the park and I see Will Smith. I'm like, that's Will Smith. I'm like, you're Will Smith, right? So, so he says to me, apparently. And, and then he's like, how you doing? So I said, great, I'm great. Nice to meet you. He was really nice. He gave me, he spoke, he just spoke to me. But then I was like, I walked off and then I'm like, why didn't I take a picture? <laughs> and I was off, and then I was like, it's degrading, I'm a rabbi. I'm going to go running after him and say, give me a picture. This is exactly what I'm speaking about all day. Don't run after Hollywood movie stars. And I'm going to run after one. So anyway, I decided to leave it and just not take a picture. But, uh, he probably appreciated it. Yeah, that you just genuinely yeah. spoke to him. And yeah. Okay, yeah. But maybe, maybe he likes the fame, like everyone coming up to him and he's saying... He's probably sick of it. Yeah. He's very sick of it, I guess. But anyway, so... No, he should ask to take a picture with me. I was wondering, like, why... There you go. Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. He'd be cancelled. He'd be cancelled. Probably. It's a very sad reality. Yeah. So... Here's this question. Two things. First, find out, is it important? Is it important to look good? Yes. But is this the truth? Should be, this be my goal? The, and, and here's a very important point. In Judaism, is it, is it important to look good? Depends, of course. Of course. <laughs> rabbi Gamliel, there's a story in the Talmud of Rabbi Gamliel, a great rabbi. And in the middle of learning Torah, he felt like he had to go. So the, stu- the students said, where are you going? Where are you going, rabbi? He said, I'm going somewhere. And they all said, well, we've got to follow you. We want to learn from you. You're the greatest teacher of ours. And they found he was going to the bathhouse. He said, I'm going to the bathhouse. I'm going to wash myself. So they said, what do you mean? Why are you doing that now? He says, well, when I was walking here, something on these lines, but when I was walking here, I saw a statue of the Roman emperor and they were cleaning it. And I said to myself, if already a statue which is not real, and it's an imitation of something that's just a human being, all the more so my body, which is the creation of God. Do I not need to wash it and look after it? So he went and he, he taught them the greatest lesson, that Judaism does believe that we have to look after our body. Of course you do. Look good, of course. But did Rabbi Gamliel make it his goal? Do you think he wouldn't go to the study hall if he had a pimple on his head? Of course he would go without even questions. Okay, he's, it's different, you know, it's old times. But the message is the same. We value 
the way I look, but I don't make that my goal. Of course not. We value having pleasures in this world. I don't make that my goal. That shouldn't be my goal. What is my goal? To have pleasure in this world. What type? There's five levels of pleasure. That's another whole discussion. I'll give a whole class on that. There's five levels of pleasure. The highest level of pleasure is to absorb the goodness of God. Okay, the, the highest level, number one. It's like, it's like connecting. Oh, that's why I was with Will Smith. It's like connecting to someone who's famous. You know, when someone who's well known to the world. like, he's, Right? So you're like, whoa, I want to just be next to you. Can I have a picture with you? That's someone who's famous. Can you imagine getting to understand? Let's say, let's say God exists, okay? Oh, I don't believe in it. Wait, let's say he exists. Would you want, wouldn't you want to have a private meeting with him? Hang out with him? Wouldn't that be cool? He's the creator of all. Every heartbeat, every baby, every child, every... Think about every star. Can you imagine that, that connection? The source of everything. That must be a, a moment of, of joy that can't be described. And that is actually that, what we feel when we die. That's a Jewish teaching. But there's another whole discussion and I can prove it another, another night. But anyway, but that's the root. Right? Not all these th- things that just are going to fleet. They're fleeting. They disappear. My looks, my money. These are disappearing things. By the way, things that are really good for us, right, seem much better when we're about to have it than when we have it itself. Things that are bad to us seem much worse than when we have it itself. Do you know what I mean? No. I, I won the lottery. Oh my goodness! Ah! I won the lottery. Bring my friends, party, right? After a few months, maybe another party, right? After a few years, right? After a few years, was it as exciting? What was all that hype about? The same as something bad that happens, right? Because they, those things are fleeting. Whether it's good or bad, if it's stuff in this world, fle- they go. They come and go. It's all stuff at the end of the day. So if it's very, very bad, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me. How did this happen? How did I lose all my savings? Whatever it is. But over time, right, you, you realize it's not that bad. It's like the story of the guy, there's a kid who won the get who invested all his money in GameStops or something. You remember that kid? You heard about it? Yeah. And he, it was a little, he killed himself. Yeah, that kid. It was so, so sad. Yeah, terrible. Terrible. Right, if only he would, if only I could sit with him and tell him, give it some time. Give it some time. It really won't be that bad. Over time, you'll realize it's not the end of the world. Right. So bad things and good things that are physical, that are fleeting, are not as good as you think they are and are not as bad as you think they are. Okay, so number one is change your goal. Number two, dealing with depression. Okay, now this is obvious, but I'll say it anyway. I speak about this all the time. But look at your glass, half full. Don't look at your glass, half empty. Gratitude. What's gratitude? Prior or after depression? Before depression. Every day. When somebody works on their gratitude attitude, how are they going to be when something doesn't work their way? Happier? Thankful. You know why? Because, okay, I lost this. But look, I made, it's like saying, I I made a billion dollars, but I lost 10,000. Am I going to be depressed that I lost 10,000? No. Look how much I made. When I think about my life, my eyesight, my vision, my health, my ability to speak, ability to eat, ability to see, all the things that I can do. So I lost something. Don't only think about the glass that's half 
empty. Think about the glass that's half full. And this is a way to do it. You want to do it today? This is a trick. I'll give you a trick. Put down on, because everyone's, once in a while, right? everyone's a bit depressed. So here's, here's a trick. Make a list. On one side, put all the good things that are happening to you in life. And on the other side, put all the bad things that are happening. And don't only look for the good things that are new, but the good things that happened to you from the day you were born. Put them on a paper next to all the bad things that have happened to you. And then look back and say, I'm embarrassed of myself. How was I even depressed for a minute? Look how much good I've had. That's called gratitude attitude. So number two is looking at the glass half full. And the third way to dealing with depression is a much higher level. And this is the real level. And that's called emunah, faith. Okay, and this is the element that the, 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 uh, um, the spies were mostly missing. This is the highest level. I don't look at my glass half empty, half full. I don't look at it at half full. I look at it, even though it is half full, it's full. That's what emunah takes you. Let me give you an example, okay? And by the way, this ties in to seeing the bigger picture. Emunah is about seeing the bigger picture. Give you an example. This is the example of Chovat Halevavot. Don't get angry with me with this example because everyone gets angry with this example. Just let me give you the example. Don't jump on me, okay? Don't kill me about this example. See the bigger picture, right? Right, see the bigger picture of this example. So here's the example. Someone goes on a trip with a bunch of friends and they are hiking and they decide to lie down at night. It's night. They set the tent by a wall. Because where are we going to do it? In the middle of the field, we found a wall on the side. They set, they all sent the tent along the wall. One guy's sleeping. As he's sleeping, some cat or dog comes from on top, does his thing on one of the guys that's lying there. And he's lying there, he's sleeping, and he's wet. He's like, oh, he, go, he gets up, he goes to wash himself. And as he's going to get wash himself, he's angry with the cat, he's angry with the dog or whatever it was. As he's about to wash himself, the wall falls down and everyone gets seriously injured. He is washing himself. I told you, don't get angry with me. He's washing himself. And is he angry with the dog now? No. What, you see how in one minute, one minute, you could turn from the greatest anger at the dog to being actually grateful for that dog. The most ridiculous situation. You're, he urinated on me. How could it get worse? What about right? I knew that someone's going to do that. Right, but that, I'm, I'm not, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean I'm happy. Ah. I mean, I still could be in pain. You could feel like a moment of gratitude, but then you're like... It doesn't mean I'm happy. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm happy. I'm not happy about the loss of my friends, but I'm still, in, in, in terms of the dog... In terms of the dog, I've, t- trans- I've transitioned myself from being angry with the dog to being happy with the dog in seconds. Why? Because I see the bigger picture. So sometimes in life, we see the bigger picture in a year from now. Sometimes we see it in a minute from now. Sometimes we see it in two years from now, three years, or even in the world to come when we leave this world. Wow. But that's the element of emuna, where I see my pe- cup, I say, no, no, no. You know why I wasn't born in a family that I was born in a single parent home because that's my cup. And my cup is perfect for me. It, 
If I was in a different home, it wouldn't have worked. If I had that person's home, it wouldn't have worked. That cup for me is perfect. One day I'll see why. Maybe in a year from now, maybe in two years, maybe I won't see it in this life. But that's called walking around with emerald nets, not blind faith. It's a hopeful idea. It's the idea that sometime in the future, I'm going to see that the picture is better because everything really is for the good. That's, that's it, Mona. So these are the three ways of dealing with depression. Okay? One is um, changing your goal. What is your perspective? Why is my goal the way I look? Why is my goal that I have to, have, uh, have to be a CEO of a company at 35? Why is my goal that I... Change your goal. Number two, strengthen your gratitude so you can see what you have and eventually when the challenge comes, the half-empty glass wouldn't be so half-empty because you remember the half-full glass through your gratitude. And number three, faith. Through emunah, which means not blind faith, but the idea of understanding that I don't see tomorrow, I don't see a week from now, I don't see a year from now. But when I do, I'm going to know one day, at some point in my life, I'm going to know that everything has a reason and it has a purpose. And it was for the better of me. Okay, so those are the three ideas. And I wrote a lot more stuff, but I don't want to put you in more torture and prison. So uh, I'll leave it for now. I hope you guys enjoyed. And um, never, never uh, be depressed. <laughs> I hope that helped. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. But don't allow don't depression. Don't, just don't be depressed. Don't allow depression to get to you. And how do you do that? Invest. I'll say it. Invest in your depression. Invest in your depression. Don't let it get to you. That doesn't make sense. Invest in your happiness so that you don't get depressed. Right? Don't let it get to you. When it comes, then you're like, oh, I'm depressed. Well, what happened prior that you could have solved before it? Anyway, thank you all for listening and thank you for joining. And it's been fun to have you. Thank you, thank you. Any thoughts, ideas, any questions? I'd love to hear your thoughts. We have some psychologists here. What are the five levels of pleasure? Ooh. That's the first thing I want to know. You want to know? Yeah. I'll tell you them very... Quick, quick I'll tell you them very quickly, okay? Num- number five, which is the lowest, is physical pleasure. They are dependent on your five senses. Taste, feel, touch, smell, right? The, Anything to do with your senses, physical pleasure, touching fruit. According to Judaism, you make a bracha on a fruit. You have to be thankful for it. You have to taste it. You're accountable. If you leave this world, you see a fruit that you could have tasted, and you didn't taste it. Did you know that? You have to make a bracha on a beautiful new fruit that you see. Right. So physical pleasure is a very important thing in Judaism. But it's the lowest level. And be careful from indulging yourself. With physical pleasure, you can't overdo it. That's the that's the problem, right? You have wine; that's a physical pleasure, but don't chug it in in a frat house, right? You gotta you gotta put it in a glass. You gotta smell it. You've gotta taste it, right? That's how you have pleasure. No, be aware of overdoing the pleasure. Okay, that's number five. Number four is love, because love you'd put any money in the world if you really love someone. No money in the world could take her away. No, I would give, if you give me a billion dollars, I'd give you my wife. Well, you, you have never tasted love, my friend, if you tell me that. And I'm sorry for you. 
Somebody tells me those words, they've never had love. Because the love is about the other. It's not about money. It's not about money. It's and you can love a child much more the same way that you can love your spouse. In order to love your spouse, there's a physical component to it. But loving a child is the same as a love for a, for a spouse or for a mother or for a father. Love is the same word. It's a universal word. It's about expanding myself to the other. So love is a much higher level of pleasure than physical pleasures. How do I know? I'll give you two reasons how I know. One, because in order to love, you have to put in more effort. It takes more work. Ah. Right? Therefore, it takes more work. And, yeah, I'm still recording. And in order to love, right, when you have, when you have love, it gives you more energy afterwards. Physical pleasure, you eat a sandwich, how long does that energy last for? Not long. When you're in love, right, that gives you energy horsepower. Think of it as horsepower. How much horsepower does it give you? The more horsepower I get, the better. The lowest level of pleasure gives you less horsepower. The higher the level of pleasure, the more horsepower I get. Good? Okay. That's number four. What's better than love? What could be better than love? Meaning. Why would anyone leave the household to save another person's life? Put themselves in danger to save... Because I want to live a life of meaning. The work that people do. Activism that people do. Sometimes they are activists. They put themselves in danger for a country, for a place. They put their own life at risk. They, because you know what? People say love is all. It's not. If all you have is love... You've not started to begin something, but you've not had everything yet. You can have a couple, think about it, a couple that sits on a couch. What? You're from England, the Beatles are wrong. Yeah, exactly. All you need is right, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's a mistake. Our culture is making a mistake. Think about it. If two people are sitting together in a room, they love each other. I guess we'll have to stop it then. But you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if I say that love is everything, then get two people that are in love with each other, put them in the same room, and let them stay with each other to the same room till the end of their life. Why should they pursue anything else? Do you think that's enough? It's not enough. Love isn't all. They'll drive each other mad eventually. That's why it says... That man and woman together in Hebrew is ish, isha. Ish, isha. The root of those words is ish, fire. Because when you're together, you're going to have fire. But if you put the yud and the hay in it, in ish you've got yud, in isha you've got hay, that's God. If you have a higher goal than the love, then you have a healthy marriage. If, if the goal is just the love, eventually it's just the thing. It's, a, it's gonna. It's not. You have to. You have to be. It's not a family. You have to both be moving towards a similar goal, as well as your love. Meaning was the third. Fourth is being creative. It's higher than meaning. It's higher than meaning. Now, 
What does that mean? I'll give you an example. <coughs> Somebody works, he's a contractor. Okay? He's building. Rabbi, I disagree with a lot of what you're yeah. saying. Sorry. It's a, it's a uh, pleasure. So, a someone, <coughs> someone is a creator. Okay. He's a builder. Right. Omri, can you move from the camera? It's recording. Someone oh, is a... Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. No problem. We're in the after hours. I want to record it because it's a good talk. Um, someone who's a creator. Let's say someone's a contractor. He's building a building. So he gets jobs. One job he gets... I want you to build a uh, hospital. Wow, that's really cool. Amazing. I'm going to build a hospital. He works hard. Meaning, building a hospital. He's thinking not just about building and his money. He's thinking about building a hospital. Let's say I tell him, not only I want you to build the building, I want you to be the architect of the building. I want you to be the mastermind behind the whole hospital, not just build the building of it, but be the mastermind behind the hospital. Is that greater? Thank you. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Being a creator, being creative is an attribute of God because you're being like God. It's a tremendous feeling. It's not just that I'm living with meaning. I'm doing something even better. I'm creating something meaningful. Creating pleasure for someone else. Yes. If I live, if I build, if I take someone, adopt them. That's being created. I'm, I'm, I'm having second-class pleasure. I'm creating them. It's a tremendous feeling. Much better than just having a meaningful life. One is connecting to God. Being connected to God. And obviously, you know. But that's not only in this world, it's in the world above. So, because here in this world, we're in a physical limitation. But there is no other... If you understand that God is not a being, He's not a human being, according to Jewish teaching. He's not a, Jew, he's not a human being. He's an infinite being. Right? So there's nothing greater than connecting to something that's infinite. That's a hard because that's the source... I'll tell you why. Because that's the source of everything. If that's everything, that's infinite, that's everything, then what else is there to be connected to? So, if, a, if I'm able to... Around, you walk around center with worry, connected to God, and it's like... Everything. And in this world is also, there's a pleasure of it, but never to its fullest until I leave this world. Good? Five levels of pleasure. We want all of them. But if I only have the fifth or the fourth, I'm not going to have horsepower that's going to last long. I need to make sure I have the most pleasure of this world. How Good? Would, how would you sum up, would you sum up Imuna as like going with the flow, like trusting that things will work? Or is that too serious? That's, that's part of it. Don't worry about it like in the future, but everything Good. happens for a reason. So it's kind that, of like, that's it, that's it. Everything has a purpose. Yeah. The difference between, and, and this is it. People think it's so much better to not, to not have God in your life. I'll tell you something. It's because it's come a taboo. But just get out of your box a minute, okay? Get out of your non-God box a minute, okay? And think about this. What's better? To live a life which says everything has a reason, that everything has a purpose, that everything's chaotic and chaos, and I'm random. And you know what? No one really believes that anyway. Everyone believes that there's a really a better, bigger purpose than just chaos. Well, you tell me, was I a chaos? Was I that one zygote that made it? 
Was I that seed that made it out of the millions just randomly? Is my heart pumping randomly well till the age of 30 or whatever age I am? Because there's other people that don't. Why am I alive? Am I random? So that's the question. Do I want to live a life which has reason, purpose, that everything has a bigger reason? Or everything is random? Yeah, you're just giving into your like desires in the moment. And that's why I'd rather say that everything's random. There's a price to pay to say that everything's random. And that's living a life with no meaning at all. It's a big price to pay. Of course.